morning. Today's scripture is found in Isaiah 55, 1 through 3. You can follow along in your Bibles or on the screen behind me. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you will have no and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. Would you pray with me? Lord God, help us turn our hearts to you and hear what you will speak, for you speak peace to your people through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, good morning. I hope you all had a fantastic Christmas and a a very happy New Year. One of the things that um, everybody likes from the moment we can remember till our last years on earth, one of the things we all love to do is to have the experience. You go to the mail, you pull out an envelope, you open it up, and inside there's an invitation. Right. We love to get invitations to birthday parties, to a Christmas party, to graduation ceremony uh, or some sort of some sort of celebration. It's always great to to get an invitation. We love to be invited because it means that we're going to go somewhere. We're going to have some food. We're going to have something to drink. We're going to be with people that we know and love. And it's an exciting thing to get an invitation. I remember when Nancy and I sent out wedding invitations. We've been married uh, over 29 years now. We were married when we were about 13 or 14, so just so you know. And um, we, we, we really we li- were living in, in, in Indiana at the time. I was a youth pastor at a church. She was on crew staff at Purdue. And the wedding was in Minnesota, where Nancy's from. So it's kind of a difficult thing to arrange a wedding and plan a wedding when you're a day's drive away. Um, and, but she did a great job. In fact, it was pretty much all her. I didn't do much. My job was simply to show up on time, uh, to, to help her with any decisions, simply say yes to what she wanted, and to look good in the tux. That was, that was my goal. I, two out of three isn't bad. So, um, but, but what I did get involved with, there was one task that she gave me, which was very mundane, very tedious, and that was the invitations. I got to lick them. I got to put the stamps on them, which was probably 250 or something like that we sent out. But I did not mind because I was so excited about the fact that she actually said yes, you know, and that we're going to be married. And and we were so excited to have our family and friends come and, and share in the joy of that day. God wants his people to share in his joy. It's, a, it's an arc of scripture. It runs through scripture, a principle of scripture that God wants people to share in his joy. From the very beginning, God shows that he wants people to be in a relationship with him, to share in the joy that God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit have together a, a joy of a joy and a love and a peace that is so intense and so intimate and so pure. God wants to share that joy with us. And God's goal is to include as many people as possible in that joy. And he's cast a very broad net. His guest list is massive. In fact, it's included everybody who's ever walked this earth who has breathed air. And he sent out his invitation. And his invitation to all people runs throughout Scripture, through the Old Testament prophets. It runs through his promise to Abraham. It runs through his promises to David. And it certainly is culminated in the person of Jesus Christ in the New Testament and the teachings of the apostles. 
And, and, and Jesus, um, his, this, this love he has for us, this invitation he sends out to us, we see it in, in many places. But I want to focus in on the passage that was read by the, uh, just a moment ago by Sonia from the prophet Isaiah. It's short, so I'm going to read it again. Listen to this. This is an invitation from God to his party. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come by and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? That's a good question. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and, and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promises David. Now, any good invitation will include the basics. What are the basics? When is it? Where is it? Who's going to be there? Does it cost anything? Do I need to bring anything? Why is it being held? What's the occasion for it? So on and so forth. And, and Isaiah 5 is an excellent invitation because it covers all those bases. So let's take a look. First, to what are we being invited? It's a feast. There's food. There's drink. Show up. Basically, there's food and drink. It's a, it's a wedding feast. In fact, look at verse three. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. Throughout the Old Testament, God's invitation was always to participate in a permanent and personal relationship with him. He says things like you will be my people. I will be your God over and over. It's, it's a personal. It's a commitment ceremony. I will be your God. You'll be my people and this is permanent. This is, this is forever. I'm making a covenant with you. In, in the book of worship that we receive as covenant pastors when we are ordained, uh, part of the book is, are these wedding vows. And, and one, of the, one, one of the wedding vows uses this phrase, and I do promise and covenant. God's using wedding language. He's wooing us. He's promising that he will be faithful to us, that his love will extend to all who accept his invitation. Second, when do we need to RSVP? You know, you always look at the invitation. When do I need to let them know that I'm going to be coming? I need to have a conversation with Nancy before we can respond. We need a deadline, right? Well, take a look uh, at, at Luke 14. It's a familiar parable told by Jesus. And it begins in verse 16 saying, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests and at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just purchased five yoke of oxen. Uh, I'm, I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And another one said, I just got married, so, so I can't come. All seem to be fairly reasonable excuses. But the point of the parable is that when the God of the universe calls, when the Lord of creation rings us up, when the Savior of the world shows up on our doorstep with invitation in hand, we are to respond. And the time to respond is now. It's not to procrastinate, to put off until I get this taken care of, or that taken care of, or this thing answered, or, or whatever. The scripture says, seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near. God's invitation to come to him in faith is offered to all. That offer is good to us as long as we live, but we, we really don't know how long we have to respond, do we? 
So the scripture says, seek the Lord while he may be found, because now is the time to respond. Third, to, to where are we being invited? You know, everybody's had the experience, probably like me, maybe I'm the only one, of showing up at the wrong place for a meeting. And it's happened to me a couple of times, and it always involves mochas. You know, I go to mochas on Crawford or mochas on South Ninth, and the other person's at the other one, and you, you kind of text or call, and, you know, it, it happens. And people understand things get rescheduled. Um, the consequences really aren't too big for that. You just kind of reschedule. But spiritually, we've got to make sure about going to the right place. We have to be dead right about this. Unfortunately, many people in, in, uh, of us in the world, we, we get our wires crossed about to where, to where we're supposed to go. God's invitation comes and we think, okay, I'll go to church. But that's not where God is inviting us. It's good to go to church. Don't get me wrong. That's where we worship. That's where we, we, we fellowship. That's where we serve. That's where we hear teaching. That's where we uh, connect with, with the Lord and with each other. That's, that's a good thing. But, but God is not primarily inviting us to church. Look at verse 1 again. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. What, what are the waters? The person of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 4, there's a Samaritan woman. She offers Jesus water to drink on a dry, hot day. You remember what Jesus says to her? Whoever drinks the water I give her will never thirst. God does not invite us primarily to a place. He invites us to a person. He does not invite us to, to, uh, to religious practice. He invites us to a, a relationship, a vibrant, growing relationship with Jesus. He invites us to his son. Fourth, why is this party being held? What's the occasion? The answer is very simple. We've heard it a thousand times and over. God loves us. He loves you and he loves me. He invites us because he loves us. He wants our company. He wants to be with us. When our kids were much, much younger, we have three of them, we would throw birthday parties for them starting when they were one year old. Um, now, of course, they don't, they don't remember those early birthday parties. I mean, they were one, two, three. They don't remember those parties. Uh, but we threw them anyway. And we would invite grandparents and some friends and we'd get presents and make a big deal of it and party hats and the whole thing. And Nancy would make a special cake, which would end up invariably on the kids' faces at some point. And, and they really didn't appreciate what was going on completely. They couldn't grasp what was going on. But that didn't matter to us as parents. We threw a party for our children because we loved them and because we were excited and glad that they were our children. God throws a party and he invites us because he is glad that he created us. I think sometimes we have this idea in our head that God's up there in heaven like, oh man, that one, yeah, that one, yeah. Why did I create Doug? Or why did I create, I mean, uh, can I have a do-over with that one, you know? God throws us a party and invites us because he is glad that he created us. He loves us. We are the crown of his creation. He throws a party and we're invited because he loves us. And talk about the presence and the blessings. Look at what he has for us if we will accept the invitation and show up. Verse 3. Hear me that your soul may live. Verse 12. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. 
God wants to give us life, not just on this earth, but for eternity. He wants to give us peace and joy, not just in this life, but also in the next life. When we come to Jesus, we will find joy that is not dependent upon circumstances, peace that passes all understanding in life, both now and forever. Next, who is going to be at the party? The spiritually hungry and the spiritually thirsty. Come, all who are thirsty. You simply must want to come. You must want to come to Jesus. You must have a hunger and a thirst to to know him and know him more. Which is pretty radical. The best party ever thrown with the best gifts ever. And all you have to do to get in is to want to come. All you have to do is to come to Jesus. I mean, there's no spiritual bouncers at the gates of heaven at this party keeping you out because you don't have the connections or weren't born under the right family or look the wrong way. There are no catches. Anybody is welcome, regardless of age or gender or race or economic status or social status or nationality. All are welcome. So we should expect a little bit of everything when we get there. Right. Look at Isaiah 56. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from my people. And let not any unit complain. I'm only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. So who's going to be at this party? Everybody who is hungry and thirsty for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Next, we get to the bottom line. What do you do when a salesperson shows you some fantastic product and pitches its benefits? What do you do? You ask, how much does it cost? How much is this going to set me back? Are there any hidden costs, any, any secret fine print and down at the bottom I need to be aware of? What's the price? Again, we look at Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? In other words, this is free. Free for us, not free for God. It costs God a lot. It costs his son, right? But it's free for us. It's it's what we call grace. It's as good as promised. And it's free. Isaiah uses the analogy of, of, of getting bread and wine and milk without spending time. It's like going to Dylan's every morning with a shopping cart. You fill it to the brim and you walk past the checker without paying anything. Go right to your car. It's yours every day. It's free. Whatever you need, whatever you need to satisfy you. God offers us joy and life and peace. And it's all a free gift from him. Now contrast that to a life that's lived without a relationship with God. We can spend all we want, all we have. We can accumulate things. We can accumulate experiences. We can accumulate relationships, but they will never completely or permanently satisfy our deepest longings and yearnings. We can spend and spend and spend on things and experiences heavy with promise. But in the end, they will leave us wanting more, wanting something better, bigger or permanent. There was a U.S. company a a few years back that... uh, sold this kind of gag gift in Great Britain. Um, it was for $3. There was an action figure called Invisible Jim. And the reason it was called Invisible Jim was because 
That's, there was nothing inside the package. It was just packaging with all these pictures and you know, these ideas of lack of darting eyes, and ask not seen on TV, things like that on the outside. And they would open the package and there would be nothing inside, invisible Jim. And, and a spokesperson for the distributor said that when the first shipment arrived, they thought that something wrong had happened at the factory. Surely there was supposed to be something inside this packaging, but it wasn't. It was just a kind of a gag, right? Good marketing, good packaging, empty box, empty promises. Why spend money, Isaiah asked, and labor on what does not satisfy? God offers us free of charge all that we need to do, all that we need to satisfy our hunger and our thirst comes through Jesus Christ. And then finally, what do I bring to this party? What do you do when you're invited to, a, to somebody's house for a party? You think, okay, should I bring flowers, bring a card, bring some sort of... Uh, Snacks or food or something to drink. I mean, that's kind of etiquette, right? Usually we'll try to do something like that, especially if you don't know them that well, yet you're trying to try to do that. What do we need to bring to this party? Yourself. That's it. There's nothing else that we can bring. There's nothing else that we, we need to bring. We simply are to bring ourselves to the foot of the cross of Christ and give control of our lives to Jesus. You know, we've had this wedding feast analogy running through the sermon. And so I want to close with a final wedding story. Not, not, not from our wedding, but there's a man named Ted Kidd. He was dating a woman named Janet, and he was five years older than her. Um, he went to college, graduated. He lived in a city several hundred miles away, had a job. And it never worked out that they were in the same city for the whole seven years that they were dating. And every Valentine's Day, they would get together, and he would take her to dinner and ask her to marry him. And every Valentine's Day, she would say, I love you, Ted, but no, not yet. Finally, they ended up both living in Dallas, and he took her to dinner the seventh time, been said no, not yet six times, took her to dinner, to a restaurant, got the ring, and thought to himself, if she says no this time, I'm moving on without her. And so they had dessert and everything, and it was time, and he was getting ready to ask her, and he noticed that she had brought a gift for him. So he said, what did you bring for me for Valentine's Day? And she handed him a box. And he opened it and pulled the tissue paper away. And inside was a cross stitch that she had made for him with one word on it. Yes. Yes. That is the word that God in his tireless pursuit of you and me longs to hear most of all. Yes. That's the word he wants to hear from each one of us today. Yes, I come to you, Lord. Yes, I trust in you. Yes, I acknowledge my need for you. Yes, my needs and longings can all be satisfied in you and you alone, Jesus. Yes. That's God's invitation to us. Our, the only thing we have to do now is, is to respond to RSVP to say yes. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you are a God who loves us. We thank you for the invitation that you've extended to us. And Lord, we don't deserve the invitation. We haven't earned it. It's not because of our connections. It's, not, it's nothing that we really do deserve, Lord. And we're grateful that you, out of your love for us, extend us an invitation to come to your party, to know you, to come to Jesus Christ, and to live, and to have joy and peace and forgiveness and grace. At great cost to you, but it's free for us, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray today for each person here that they would have settled in their heart uh, yes to you. Uh, and, Lord, that for those who are 
uh, unsure uh, if they've said yes or those who have not said yes and they know it, Lord, that today truly would be the day that they would say yes. That your Holy Spirit would pull on their heart and their mind uh, that they would know you're real and that you love them and that they would simply just say, yes, Jesus. So, Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done for us and who you are. And uh, we say yes again in our hearts. Each day we say yes to you, Lord. We trust in you. Uh, We want to live for you and honor you. In Jesus' name.